You're listening to the Mind Your Own Business podcast with Stephen Sterick. Today, Stephen talks to Chris and Kevin from the Blue Collar Millionaire podcast. your journey kind of take us back to what got you into entrepreneurship and then bring us up to present day i started a rock throwing business in third grade <laughs> <laughs> it was in you your whole life <laughs> it was my friend daniel and i he was daniel i was steven so it was d and s rock throwing company we were on the schoolyard and we would charge like 25 cents per throw to teach people how to throw rocks and that lasted about 30 minutes until a teacher came out and was like, well, you guys, no, you can't do this. <laughs> That's so awesome, man. And fast forward into my like 10 or 11 years old, I'd take my dad's lawnmower up and down the street. He'd actually drive me to neighborhoods and just drop me off. And I'd go door to door on, in these neighborhoods. And I'd ask them like if they needed their lawns mowed or what like i wasn't a landscaper by any means i just cut lawns you know what i mean yeah and so that's kind of where that all started and then i sold stuff in high school you know whatever i had that i could sell and flip or something like that i I would do that stuff i tried a couple hobby businesses here and there just different stuff and and i didn't really realize i mean man i i just feel like i'm still just getting started you know my first real like thing into entrepreneurship was actually into the mortgage business and that was around 2004. So my dad had a mortgage firm outside of LA here where we live. And so he wanted me to come and help him. I had some odd jobs and different W2s and stuff like that up until that point. And so he said, I think you could be really good at it. So he taught me the whole thing. He taught me the whole mortgage business, the real estate business. And so we did a lot of residential loans and we did a lot of residential transactions, but we did a lot of commercial stuff as well. So we did like commercial construction loans or apartment, you know, purchase loans, refis, all that kind of stuff up until about 2010 when everything fell apart, you know? And it was through that time that we lost our asses. Like we fully, fully lost our asses through that. So we actually had a hundred unit apartment complex. That was, it was a ground up development. We were gonna start building it. We had the land, we had the plans done. We had the permits pulled. We had the contractor set up, like everything's ready to go. And then we couldn't get construction financing at all because during that time, all the lenders were changing their guidelines. So in order for us to actually close the deal, we would have had to bring a lot more money to the table and our mortgage business was tanking. So we didn't have any cash from that. We couldn't pull cash from anything else. We had other investment properties that we lost during that time. Like we made a mistake by buying a bunch of land. So we bought a bunch of like residential development land in gated communities. Uh, it's funny because this last weekend I drove up to the lake community that we had and it, it reminded me of those three properties that we lost on there. Are so, they developed now? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and so during that time, it was, so the deal was it was a hundred units. It was in Merced, California. I don't know if you guys know where Merced is, but it's right outside of Fresno, like central California. At the time, they were just opening up a new University of California Merced brand new university and we had a hundred units less than two miles away some of them were set aside for student housing some of them were set aside for low-income housing and i mean the thing was going to be basically a gold mine right but we couldn't get it off the ground and we we lost the property had to go back to the bank of course we lost all of our equity that we had in purchasing the land and you know paying for the plans and everything else so that really turned me off from real estate really really turned me off from real estate And that one was going to be like, you know, our generational jump off point because it was only myself, my dad, and another partner. It was only two of us in the deal, right? So what did I do at that point? I hated real estate. And I was like, dad, I'm done. I'm out. And he's like, no, 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 you could do it. Come on back. We'll scratch through. And I'm like, no, I'm tired of this, right? And so my buddy actually had a roofing company at the time. And he's like, hey, why don't you come work for me? Because I mean, I lost everything, right? I lost like everything I had. And I also bought a house up there as well, right next door to the property, because I was going to move in there and manage the construction process, manage the, the GC. I lost the house too. I lost the house, lost the land. I was a signer, of course, on both. Lost all the equity in that. So anyway, my buddy has a roofing company. He's like, hey, come and work for me. I need people. How old are you during this point? Let's see. I would have been 27-ish, but somewhere in that realm, right? So 2000. 
2008 to 2010, yeah, somewhere in like 26, 27 years old. Okay. <clears throat> and so I go work for him, and I'm literally the helper in the passenger seat of the truck. That's who I am, right? I'm humping the lumber. And, and I worked construction in high school too. So like I was, I was familiar already with construction, but I'm the helper in the truck, you know? And, I, and we're doing roofing, waterproofing, sheet metal, subterranean waterproofing, exterior building envelopes. So we're doing all kinds of stuff. And so I learn all the trades, right? So I learn, you know, how to, how to put in a window and like, I, le- you know, I learn all this stuff and I'm climbing 12 and 12 pitch roofs and scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate that stuff, you know, but we yeah. also did seamless gutters. So I learned how to do gutters. And after about like eight months in the field, they're like, Hey, why don't you come in the office and start doing estimating and stuff like that. Start running the office stuff for us. So that's what I did. So I started, you know, reading plans and doing takeoffs and putting bids together and doing kind of like a little bit of the sales side of stuff. Then they opened up a new division of the company. They were creating a product to put on roofs where you walk on the product and you don't damage like S tiles or you don't damage anything. So it'd be useful for like gutter, solar installation, any of that kind of stuff, uh, pest, pest control people that have to go on roofs or like tenting houses. So I headed up that division for a little while. Ultimately at that point is when everything started to turn for construction. So that was like about 2011, right? Kind of like the tail end of the mortgage crisis. And so I got laid off. They're like, Hey, we're going to scrap the project for right now. We're not going to do the walking pad thing. We're just going to put it on hold. Sorry. You don't have a job anymore. Wow. So at that point I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, and I've always been like into cars and motorcycles and boats and anything with an engine, right? I love it. And so I had about, at that time, I probably had like five or six motorcycles and I lived in a house. I was a bachelor. I lived in a house with two other dudes between the three of us. We had like 14 motorcycles and three, and three dogs. And it was a party, man. Like it was just like nonstop partying in that house. But what (laughs) I ended up doing is like, I started working on motorcycles out of the garage and making some money doing that. And then eventually I got recruited by a dealership because I get, you know, in the community, everybody kind of knows everybody. So the owner of the dealership swings over to my house one day and I was like, oh, hey, I recognize you. He said, hey, um, you're kind of competing with me. So why don't you just come work for me and I'll pay you. All right. So this is about 2012, somewhere in that range. And I work for him for a year. I get fully trained as like certified mechanic and all the, the, the different manufacturers. And after a year, I had a partner and we started a couple motorcycle shops ourselves. So he had like the engine building side and I had the suspension building side. And so we kind of just, you know, met in the middle and we opened two different shops. And then after about a year of me doing that, I realized that there's absolutely no money in motorcycles. You know, everybody's your, your bro, your buddy, your homie, your dog, your, your whatever. And they all, you know, expect a discount. Everybody expects a discount because it's such a, it's a very communal sport, you know, and it's a very family oriented sport, motorcycle racing and stuff, but like everybody's balling on a budget, you know, nobody's got money. So after about a year, I was like, Hey, this isn't for me anymore. And I sold my half to him, to my partner, and he's still running the shops to this day. And he's doing very well for himself. And then at that point, my father-in-law calls me and he's like, Hey, now that you've married my daughter, I'd like you to come help me in our construction business. He's got a family construction business that he started in like early seventies doing residential remodel and ground up construction. So he said, Hey, I've got a couple projects coming up that are pretty large and I could really use, you know, your management and operational experience. So after about a year of doing that, he, he said, Hey, why don't you come be a partner? Nice. So he brought me in. So that's where we're at basically to this day is we still have that construction company. And that was like somewhere around like the 2016 mark. I got married in 2016 and it was literally like right after that. He's like, now that you're part of the family. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that was about 2016 and we've done some really cool projects since then. But you know, our biggest experience throughout the pandemic, since we're high quality contractors, it seems like we haven't landed contracts as much as we used to, you know? So we've been kind of struggling with that because we see the margins shrinking and our clientele, I I think what it is, is our clientele needs to change. I think what we go after has to change because the people who we're trying to help right now, they can't afford it, frankly, they can't afford it. Right. Cause we don't work with investors. We don't work on flips. We don't work on any kind of, 
low quality stuff. And so obviously like our price reflects that, you know? Right. So, so that's, that's the basic cool. gist of that. But then during COVID, I was like, oh, you know, I, let's see. I want to make myself more busy. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to start a trucking company during COVID because like trucks are rolling, right? And everything yeah. I saw during COVID, it was either healthcare, uh, it was food, or it was trucking. Those were the things that like were a staple during that time. So I went out and bought a couple big rigs, got all the equipment that we needed, hired drivers, and I grinded it out. And like I was, I was in the truck in one of the trucks for the first three months myself. Oh wow! To figure out like how this business works, to make relationships, you know, with the different vendors and the shippers and the receivers, and get you know direct relationships rather than trying to go through brokers because brokers usually take thirty to forty percent. Huh. which is huge. So, you know, I'm in the truck at three in the morning going to Bakersfield because I had a driver either call in sick or whatever. And like, dude, trucking is one of the most easy, difficult businesses there is. Out there. <laughs> because literally all you're doing is hauling shit from one place to another, right? You go, you call them, you say, you got stuff. Yeah, I got stuff. I'll come and get it. You go there, you get it. But in between getting it and dropping it off, you've got a water pump that failed, a tire that blew out, uh, somebody side swiped you on the freeway and we literally had all of these issues. I got a phone call at 11 o'clock at night from one of our drivers. We were doing runs back and forth from the port, pulling containers out of the port. And he's like, Hey man, sorry to bug you, but I just had somebody T-bone the trailer and it's not our trailer, right? It's a chassis that belongs to, um, Jeez. at this point we had a contract with FedEx. So it was a FedEx chassis guy T-bones the freaking trailer. And then he bails. The guy just freaking took off, but he left his bumper hanging on the trailer with the license plate on it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, okay, obviously the guy was either super scared or he was drunk and he bailed. Now, 15 minutes later, the car comes back, same car, no bumper, but it's a different guy in the car. Hey man, I'm sorry. I got so scared. I just left. Okay. We got you. He's like, listen, I don't want any trouble. I'm just going to take my bumper and bail. And that's what he did. Right. So, I mean, it was like that weekly. There were we like oh, sometimes almost daily where you're just like, why am I doing this? that? Really wasn't the, the issue of like trucking. Right. So what ended up happening is like March of last year, the freight rates started dropping because there were a lot of guys like me who were like, oh, there's a lot of money to be made in trucking. So you had a massive influx of new companies come on board. So you had massive amounts of capacity and not enough demand. Right. So you had a ton of trucks, not enough crap to move because during COVID, all of the product, they, they pre-ordered product for 2022, all the massive uh, corporations. So like Target, Walmart, et cetera, et cetera. And they flooded the warehouses. So I don't know if you guys remember or not, but in the beginning of 2021, the port of Long Beach in LA was backed up a hundred vessels offshore, hundred vessels offshore. We were in the middle of that, trying to get things like offloaded. Once we worked through all that, by the middle of 2022, things really started to slow down. Where a truck was making seven, eight to a thousand dollars a day on the regular, right, no problem. To now the truck's making 150 dollars a day. Holy crap! Wow. Then you really start thinking, like, what am I doing here? Because yeah. you're, I mean, it's a ton of liability, right? So you've got an 80,000 pound death machine rolling down the freeway and one mistake and it wipes out the entire company. Yeah. So for me, trucking was not the answer. <laughs> so at the end of last year, it was actually after one of my first meetings in the DM, I brought it up to the group and I was like, Hey, these are the issues I'm having. And Mark immediately was like, I would never be in that business. I, I remember said, well, that. Well, if this guy is doing this much business in all these different verticals, but he'd never touched trucking or logistics. What am I doing here? You know, take the right. shortcuts, right? We always talk about the reason why we get in the rooms is so that way we can have the shortcuts and have the answers. Yep. That's exactly what I got right there. That, that conversation saved me $120,000 over the course of the next six months. That one conversation. Because had I kept those trucks until now, right? We're in May. That's when the, the trucking economists said that the market was going to turn around. Well, guess what? The market has taken a shit even worse ever since. Mm. So we were getting paid usually about 
$3 to $3.50 per mile. That's what we were getting. So on a $1,000 run, it's $3,500, bucks, 3000 to $3,500. As of this morning, because I still get the emails, it's $1.80 per mile. Oh, that's huge, man. That's it's in, huge it's basically in half, right? So guys are literally paying to go to work every day. They're that's losing crazy. money every single day just to keep the trucks rolling. So had I kept the trucks, I would have, of course, lost you know all the operational costs, but also the depreciation on the vehicles because the market was super hot when I sold in November. Right now, the market has basically gone down 30 to 40% on used trucks. Isn't that insane how uh, so many times you just need that one person to give you the vote of confidence of what you already feel like you need to do? That's the importance of the mastermind. That's the importance of networking with other individuals yeah. that are, are, are growth-minded and ambitious and hungry for more. Absolutely, man. We all get in the rooms to be around people who are doing what we want to do or have done or have made the mistakes yep. and everybody's willing to help. That's the coolest part that I've found. So I first joined a mastermind like September of last year. It was a real estate mastermind and uh, for multifamily and stuff. And that's actually how I met Toby. And Toby was like, hey, you got to come check out this other group that I'm a part of. The only thing I can say about every single group is that everybody's willing to help in one way or another, like, cause we all want to see each other win, right? What's the, right. one of the biggest sayings we have is let's win with winners. Right. I think the difference is, is cause you can get in some groups, but the groups that you're actually getting in, they're already taking down some wins. Uh, there's a difference in that mindset. We have a little something and you've got some success going. You don't, you lose that scarcity mindset where you're scared someone else is gonna take something of yours. Totally. Uh, and I, I've been in those groups to where everybody's holding everything at their chest. They're afraid you're gonna steal something from them. But these, these groups where people are already taking down wins, they're just trying to do bigger wins and more wins, um, that mindset shifts. And they're like, yeah, man, let me tell you what's happening and what's working for me and what didn't work for me so you don't make the same mistake. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a huge part of it. Another part is, uh, Chris, we were talking with Mark yesterday. When you, when you give somebody an idea in like the DM Alliance or Dealmaker, they basically just run with it if it's a good one. Yeah. And then that gives you energy because that's what I did with Mike Fallett and I were talking. I had an idea for him. I did it. And then he, he messaged yep. me like last week that he's already doing it and killing on it. Doesn't surprise me at all. But I've been giving guys ideas for like for decades and they don't do shit with them yeah and it's like i know it's gonna work because i did it in my business like you're gonna make a lot of money doing this do you yeah. want to do it or not and that drains you when people don't do stuff because they'll come they'll come back to you like hey i'm with the same problem six months later like bro just do it just do the work just put in the time and do it so that's one of the other things too that we've discovered is that usually only five percent of the people who you try to help are actually going to do the work. The other 95%, they'll say that they're going to do it and they never will. But that's also what seems to be the ratio of W2 regular, I just got a job and I love my job and I'm going to stick with my job versus people who want to be entrepreneurs, people who want to go out there and you know make a better life for their families. You're only going to have about 5% of people who want to actually do the work to make those changes. It's a lot. I I was listening to your story and I was just thinking about, and, and we heard this, I think this was said in the war room by Mark last Thursday, and, and he was just talking about being scrappy, how entrepreneurs are scrappy. And I was sitting there listening about how, how you would you would hit success and then it would just, your, your knees were cut out from underneath you. Then you'd climb back up and hit a little bit of success and your knees would be cut out from underneath you. And I think that's what it boils down to. It is I mean, not everybody, not everybody wants to go through that process of being an entrepreneur. Some of us, we don't have another choice. Like we're unhappy. We can't live without running that lifestyle and trying to achieve something. Like that's what I wake up for every single morning is to build something that's better and hang my hat on it and then move to the next thing. It is a different breed. It takes all, it, ta it takes every one of us, but we can communicate to another entrepreneur because we understand where they're coming from. We understand what they're going through and it's not easy. And most of it, it seems like so many people do burn through their twenties, just gathering knowledge from experience. And 
finally you'll you start seeing that track record hit now some people hit it earlier i, I know 20 year olds like 21 22 they're really making it um but it does seem like in your 20s you're just learning all of this knowledge through experience and then finally you start you start getting lucky as they would say and it's because of all the preparation that took place in your 20s uh to start seeing that luck come in every overnight success usually takes 10 years yeah i i, I believe that uh, yeah that, that seems to be pretty common thread you know what i was thinking about while you were just telling that story was how lonely entrepreneurship can be and how getting around other people who are doing this stuff and being you know being in the rooms with the people that like for me that's been huge for my personal growth because yeah. up until earlier last year i wasn't involved in any groups and like i was hanging around dipshits right mm -hmm. i don't know if i was the king of the dipshits but i was definitely one of them yeah <laughs> and being around those people and they're like oh, why are you going to try and do that having those conversations where people are they don't believe right in you as as a person who can go out there and like create and grow if you don't have people that are backing you if you don't have people that are encouraging you it's a lot harder it's a lot harder so i know that we talk a lot about like we share our wins right we share what's going we also share our losses and our bad yeah. days and stuff but like yeah. Either way, we're supporting each other. And for me, that's given me like a massive sense of community where I know I can do it. The law of exposure says once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. And I've seen it. And I've seen people making, I mean, I know a guy who's made $6 million in the last 12 months, 14 months, just with ERC. Yeah. Just with that. And the guy's a freaking genius, you know? And I'm like, it's possible he did it anybody else can learn how to do it that's it that's why you get the exposure because it changes your perspective and now you're you still got the construction business you're doing yeah. the erc you haven't said that yet but you just alluded to you were exposed to the erc so you're actually working that it's funny how all of those experiences through you did the mortgage real estate then you dropped down and you you were just a helper and yeah. construction and yeah. you're still in the construction field and i have not seen anybody that's very wealthy that doesn't have some type of play in real estate yeah. because once they have that cash flow they're trying to dump it into tax and sheltered assets mm -hmm. and so it's like your all of your 20s has really set you up to be able to play the real estate game very well but not only that you've learned all of this business acumen in the process you've seen what works in other businesses what doesn't work you've seen what works in your own business where your fails were you've understood what supply demand was like all of these things that most people don't get taught in normal typical education behind a, a school desk but yeah. because you're out in the field this experience has just taught you these life lessons that are you'll never never unsee them you just keep building one yeah. one brick at a time yeah. building up this this empire that's actually what I wanted to say. Like, you know what, Steve, when you were saying about that hit me when you were like, I was a, get the guy in the, in the seat, in the truck, in the roofer, this is who I am now. That's a, that's like a humbling experience from where you came from. And that's how the economy was. And these young guys, they don't know what that was like, because I know the same feeling. It happened. It happened to me too, where like I was in a cubicle, I never had a job. And all of a sudden you're like, the hell happened here? But I did the same thing that you did. You can go there and you can bitch and complain and be upset at the world, or you can go in there and you can set, be the best version of yourself and kill it. And that's why you moved. They saw that so quickly, like, wow, this guy can help us with op with estimating and all these things. And you just learned all that. And then you move that forward to the next business. That's what winners do. They take like a nothing opportunity just like a job they're in a tight bin and they turn it into something they can turn it into something more that then fast forwards into other stuff it's it's always the same story and the people who don't do that they, they don't get anywhere go all in you know i've never actually ran through my entire story full front to back like this i've had like when i have conversations with people i'll tell them like 
oh, I did mortgage. And then, yeah, now we have construction. I've never actually ran through like the entire chronological order of it. Yeah. And then when you guys are now telling me my story back, <laughs> dude, it's, um, it's emotional because like when you're in the moment, when you're just doing it every day and you're just going for it, you don't realize like how far you've actually come. Absolutely, man. And, and even when you tell it, I, I spoke at this uh, event this weekend. And I was telling the story. And one guy said to me at Top Golf later that night, it was cool. He said, you know, when you tell a story like that, it goes quick. So everybody's like, oh, he's, he was he was killing himself. He was working all night and everything. But he says, when you think about it, like when you're in it, it's like it was a long journey. Yes, yeah. it is. Like we just gloss over the roofing thing. It wasn't like he was there for three weeks. Yeah. It's like every morning you you got up when you didn't want to do it. And you did. it's like day after day. Yeah all the things it's it's a really long journey that's why when when you get you go through all those things and then you you build yourself up and you're successful like that person even if something bad happens to them i know they're going to get back up i like when i look for business partners i look for people i hate to say it i like to see somebody got kicked in the teeth a little bit yeah and got up because if i know if i get in a brawl with them that's right. Barbara, like this guy, he might get hit in the head, but he's going to get up. The other people, I don't know if they're going to run. Yeah. You don't know. Resilience builds something in you. And it lets, it lets you know deep down inside that you, there's, there's something greater, bigger purpose than what you're seeing at the moment. I 100% believe I've spoke to too many entrepreneurs to, to not believe 100% that every one of us have a lot of bad days throughout our journey. Yeah. A lot of days where we just want to quit. A lot of days where it just isn't working out. A lot of days where we self-doubt ourselves and, and just wonder, do we really have it? Is our cloth cut to where we're really supposed to be highly successful? Yeah. What happens is I see the people that went before me come back and, and recant what they've already done. And then it reminds me, these guys had the same story. I mean, Kevin, you're further down the road. You took a hit in 08, sleeping on your brother's couch. Steven, you were just share, sharing how you were in the mortgage and then legs cut out from underneath you and lost all of your uh, equity and land and purchases. That I mean, it happens to every one of us. I've got the same story where it was just boom, it's all gone. Now I'm on the climb back up. And I'm, I'm like, all you got to do is keep going. If you just don't stop, because all of those experiences that you've already went through, they didn't disappear. Your money might have disappeared. Your assets might have disappeared. But the knowledge and experience didn't disappear. And so you just keep building on top of it. And that's what I love about these stories when people sit here and share it. Because someone's listening and they're like, man, today is just a tough day. This whole week, this whole month is a tough day. I took a big hit. Maybe, you know, something relationally happened, financially happening. But then they hear and they get to see Stevens over here killing it in the ERC. Kevin's killing it in the gutters. Chris is killing it over here in the disaster cleanup. And they're like, okay, I just need to keep moving. Yeah. And I'm, I'm eventually going to hit it again. Success right. is going to happen again. And it's going to be physically, you, I'll be able to see it happening again. I just got to keep moving. So yeah. these stories get me fired up, man, because yeah. it reminds me that all you got to do is keep moving. You don't have to be super special. You yeah. just got to be resilient. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I think one of the most important things in business is to have integrity with yourself. Mm, I like that. I like that. If yeah. you can't trust yourself, yeah. nobody's going to trust you. So you got to make sure that you know, you don't have to know what you're doing, right? Because I, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? I just kind of have a plan and I work the plan. And I, okay, right. well, that didn't work. Let's change this. Let's change that. But if I have integrity with myself, Right. If I don't lie to myself, I'm going to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I believe I feel like, I, you know, you don't know these things until after you don't know these things that like the last 10 years I've been working this way, but then it clicks and you're like, that's why it's worked. Right. Because like, I'm a cat, right. I just always get back on my feet. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm not really a cat person, but, I, <laughs> but for the sake of the analogy, you know, we always land on our feet. Yeah. And so every time we get back up, we learn from the last seminar that we just went through. 
every single failure is just a seminar. We just learned a whole bunch of shit during that period. And like you said, we'll take it on to the next. When you were saying you didn't want to do real estate, I felt the same way. When I saw it and I was like, nah, fuck that. I'm not doing any real estate because that <laughs> that was like the that was like the, the thing that messed me all up. I didn't want to do it. It took me a while, but getting into the, the groups and, and in particular Tim Bratz's mastermind and everything, that's really what changed. At that point, I was already like, yeah, I'm going to do this again. You, I needed to be around and see people having success with that again. Yeah. Because I had a bunch of friends who lost their shirt too on it. And, and we, we all, like, if you put your, us all in a group, a bunch of people at that age, they, we were all like, hell no. So then you're never going to do anything. I need to be exposed to people who had different attitudes about it. Yeah. Because definitely. real estate is really a great, a great oh, yeah. wealth builder. There's no yeah. question about it. And, and over the years, I've, you know, slowly just dipped and parked money in multiple different types of real estate. Yep. And I'm hands off on those things. I don't, I'm not the operator. What's exactly. funny about that is like, I thought last year, early last year, as trucking was starting to kind of like get rocky, I was like, I really got to get back into real estate. I really got to do it. Like, that's the way, that's the future for me, for sure. I know it. I want to be an operator. I want to, you know, lead these teams of, 100 unit apartment acquisitions. And I want to be on the general partnership team, the GP team. And as I get into these real estate groups and I'm realizing like what that means, and I'm realizing that every single one of those players is like super equity heavy and always cash poor. I'm like, well, that doesn't work for me. I don't, <laughs> that's not the yeah. life I want. I don't and like so it. I was introduced to ERC later on in the year. And I'm like, this is the way because I can generate massive amounts of cash very quickly and then go park that in real estate by before the end of the year. So that's what I'm doing now. So I'm, I'm building out a pretty large team of sub affiliates to help me along the way, but I'm mentoring them. Of course, at this point I've hired two assistants, uh, full-time assistants to help me. Kevin, last time I talked, I just hired my first one just yesterday. I hired the second one. So it's going um, well, it's going well, man. So, so let's talk about that. How are you building this ERC business out and, and give us a, a 60 second snapshot, just in case someone's listening and they don't understand what ERC is. ERC stands for Employee Retention Credit. Uh, it's a government program that was signed into law at the beginning of the pandemic. It, it was signed into law right alongside the PPP program. The difference though, is this is not a loan. You don't ever have to pay it back. It's a refund of payroll taxes. Plus it's like a bonus. It's a grant that the government gives you because you had W-2 employees uh -huh. during the pandemic. You've probably all heard, you can get up to $26,000 per employee. That's true, but often not the case. Usually what we've been seeing is somewhere in the range of like 12 to $17,000 per employee, but it depends on how much you paid in wages and how much you paid in payroll taxes. Yeah. The higher the wages, the higher the taxes, the higher your refund is. Uh, with all that being said, any business out there that has W-2 employees that was paying employees during 2020 or 2021, according to the IRS, 95% of those businesses qualify. Yeah. In one way or another. It's super real. It's yeah. not BS. It's not a scam. Like it's the IRS and the treasury department helping out businesses. It's real. My business uh, received money on it. We've, yeah. we've, we found it through one of our groups and uh, he was an affiliate. So we signed up and the way the affiliate program works is you're getting a small piece of what that main firm is charging and you're out there sharing the word instead of them throwing out TV ads, radio ads, Google ads, they chose to use warm bodies like you and me and Kevin to say, Hey, here's something that's available. Claim this. These guys know how to process it through even though your CPA said you didn't qualify, try again, because these guys, this is all they focus on. This is all they're trained up to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we get paid a referral commission mm -hmm. to help out businesses. Right. The, you know, the commission is, is really good, but there's also a lot of money for the business owners sitting in a piggy bank that they don't even know about waiting for They never have to pay back. They never have to pay back waiting for us to help them get it back. And it's going to go away in what one year. Two, two years. Well, technically yeah. we have one year left to file for 2020 and then two years left to file for 2021. Okay. 
So yeah. people got to get in line. That's the biggest thing is like right now they're backed up over a million applications in the IRS. If a business owner is thinking about it, they're like, oh, I'll just do it later. Don't do it later. Yeah, you might not have time. Get in line right now. Tell us how you're building out your systems here. Six months ago, I didn't know what affiliate marketing was. Six months ago, I didn't know what a funnel was. Six months ago, I didn't know what an email autoresponder was. Now I've got all that stuff and a ton more. And I've got right two assistants that are helping me out. They're managing all of my, I'm running ads for both businesses and for people who are looking to make money. And so my assistants manage all of that. They manage the ads, comes through the funnel. And then I hop on a call, right? A webinar. And I show people what the whole program is about. I have one for business owners and I have one for uh, people who are interested in helping the program, helping make money, affiliates. And so we run through those things together and then that's basically how it works. It's, it's really simple. It's rudimentary in, in my opinion. I need to scale it even bigger because the clock's ticking. But the cool thing is that I know that the company is going to be launching other products later on this year that we can offer to business owners. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to take us like 10 to 15 years in the future. I know for, and that's all government sponsored grant programs, different from ERC. And so I've been told it's going to dwarf ERC with the opportunity. Wow. Steven, talk about when, remember when we were doing our call and you were talking about, you had a goal in your mind. And it was pretty good. And then all of a sudden you just like made it so much higher. And, and how's that going? And, and why did that, why did you change? Cause I was all for, for growing that goal. Originally I was like, well, if I can do 30,000 a month with ERC, that's pretty cool, right? That's $360,000 in the next 12 months. I'm like, that's, that's pretty good. You know? So I've made that before in a year. So I was like, well, I'll just kind of set my level at that. Right. And then I got on the phone with our buddy, Charlie, and I told him the goal and he's like, why not triple it? And I was like, <laughs> I guess I got to triple it now. <laughs> that lit literally that one sentence. Well, why don't you triple it? Make it a million. That's awesome. That's man. the key because if, if you have friends who make, and it's nothing wrong, I'm not digging on anybody. If they make $6,000 a month and you tell them 30,000, they almost get mad at you sometimes. <laughs> yeah. What are yeah, you talking about? What are you, what is it, a scam? <laughs> what are you, this shit? Like, that's why I don't tell anybody anything. Mm -hmm. Unless they're doing, they're like thinking like we do. Yeah. Tell, tell Mark Evans, he doesn't care what you say. He'll tell you it's small. Yeah, he'll tell me, well, you need to go 10 times bigger than that. Yeah, he's it's like, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. You should be doing it's, that a month. It doesn't pay my water bill. If, if, you know. <laughs> But dude, you're also, you're making investments into this. It's not like it does all these ads and these assistants right. and funnels and everything that you're doing is not costing you any money. And I know sometimes you receive your affiliate fees on the front end if they pay on the front end for the services of, of the, the parent company. But a lot of them are paying on the back end. I paid mine on the back end. Yeah. So if I had got called into your funnel, your ad, your marketing dollars, you would have had to wait because it took me around eight months before the funds actually came in from the IRS. Yeah. And so you wouldn't have received. So, I mean, there's an investment and I think that shouldn't be glossed over. I don't care what you're doing in life. You're yeah. always going to have an investment of something to be able to have a payday later. It, it, it's time yeah, or money. Delayed gratification, man. Time or money, exactly. So for me, I'm spending both, right? I'm spending time and money. There are people, many, many people, only spending their time. And they have like a part-time job already on the side or something like that. Some of them are even unemployed. And then they're doing this on the side. Since it's a 1099 contractor deal, they don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And so, but yeah, there's definitely delayed gratification. And, you know, if you need money in two weeks, this is not for you. Right, right. So... Are, are, I know others um, that I've spoke to that's doing the ERC game. And, and it's funny, once you get exposed to how money works and moves in the economy, it, it's really the same way in almost every industry when it comes to making an investment and, and getting a, a, a return with profit later. But um, several of them have linked up with other, with money partners. So they produce their time, their knowledge, their effort, 
and then they're linking up with other individuals that have that money that they can invest and wait for a return six, eight, 10 months later. Mm -hmm. um, is that how you've done your model or are you able to bring in cash that you already had saved up? What, what is yours looking like there? So I'm all self-funded. Um, okay. I don't have any investors or partners. I'm like a one man band, but now I'm adding more people because we know that we can't do this by ourselves. And so, yeah, I'm funding it myself just with, you know, profits from the other company, right. From, right. Uh, pro proceeds from truck and company sale, things like that. So yeah. I'm putting money in obviously up front, you know, I've spent a lot of money since the beginning of the year with, uh, with advertising and a lot of it wasted, by the way, a lot of it wasted because the Google ads for me were very saturated. I also had a web team that was not well-versed in what ERC was. And so I was getting a lot of false clicks where people were searching for something like a different type of government credit. And mm. so I was getting a lot of wasted clicks and a lot of wasted money. And I reached out to a friend of ours, Colin, he helped me quite a bit, but the ads still never really recovered. The ads never did a great job for me. I will say that through a few referrals from companies that I've helped from the ads, I've been able to basically break even on the ads, mm -hmm. which is good. So I didn't lose money on the ads. Right. I went to a seminar. That's what I right. did. Right. Right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That experience so, thing again. Yeah. And so I realized that what's very important for me and what works for me is kind of like the people who you know, like, and trust, they're going to do business with you. And so for me, I've gone out into my local community. I became a member of my chamber of commerce. I attend regular meetings and breakfasts and connection events. And through that, I've been able to generate quite a bunch of business, help a lot of businesses. One of the things that not a lot of people know about ERC is that every nonprofit organization is automatically eligible because they had limitations on group gatherings. When a nonprofit, their number one thing to generate money every single year is fundraising activities, right? So they usually have like a charity golf event or they have a charity breakfast or a mixer or a whatever. They're not allowed to have group gatherings during all of 2020 and all of 2021, which means they automatically are eligible for all of those quarters. So wow. my big thing is helping nonprofits for two reasons. One, I already know it's an automatic in. Two, they're a nonprofit and they need all the help they can get. The most recent one I helped was the, uh, the Autism Society of Ventura. Awesome. The Autism Society is getting $52,000 back. They only have three employees, but they're getting 52 grand back. When they heard what they were getting back, they were absolutely floored. They had no idea that this little chunk of money was sitting in an account somewhere waiting for them. She said, you don't even know how far that's, that money's going to go. Yeah. And I said, well, I understand on my end how far that money would go, but why don't you tell me? And she's like, we're going to do these events. We're going to help out this many people. We're going to help out doing this, this, and this, counseling, uh, educating families on how to live with autism, like all of this stuff that's going to have a massive impact, so broad and so wide, where a, not a regular for-profit company like I helped a, a tire company, they're getting a million dollars back. We're still in the processing phase, but they're going to get a million dollars back. They're going to use that to grow their business or maybe help their employees or whatever. But like for me, the impact of helping the nonprofit organization seeds the yeah. monetary gain from having a larger company get a million dollars back. So what I'm trying to focus on now is helping nonprofits. There are a lot of nonprofits out there. I mean, schools, churches. Um, I had just went to a charity golf event called, uh, it was the, the spring classic. It's for this nonprofit called project understanding. Their number one goal is to help homeless people either find housing, medical care, food. And obviously we have a growing housing crisis in LA, in California. Like we're one of the worst in the country for homeless. Then that's what they're doing. They're helping people in our local community. So I went to the charity golf event. I talked to them uh, and I had talked to them beforehand. I met them at a chamber event, talked to them beforehand. She said, uh, yes, I definitely want to explore the ERC stuff, but you need to come to the golf event. I said, okay, I'll come. It's great. I haven't played golf in basically 20 years. I played once in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool, I'll go play. You know, I sucked, absolutely sucked. But 
she saw that I showed up because I told her, I was like, yes, I'll come. If yeah. I didn't show up, right, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't have done it. But it's not about that, right? What it's about is 90% of life is showing up. The last 10% is just doing the work. Literally yeah. 90% of life is walking through that door. I walked through that door that day. She saw my face. I said, thank you so much for putting this event on. We had a couple of different little conversations throughout the thing. Never once did I talk about ERC. I was there to help. I donated. I bought more raffle tickets. I bought this, whatever, whatever. I actually won a brand new golf bag, which was super cool. Nice. Because uh, I've been using my dad's golf bag that's like over 30 years old. That's another story for another time. But anyway, at the end of the day, I was like, hey, thank you so much for this event. I got to run, go get my kids. She said, cool. Uh, don't call me tomorrow because I'll be very busy. Call me Wednesday. Now she's getting all of her documents together. We're going to help them out. They're probably going to get $150,000 back. We That's raised awesome, $100,000 at that charity golf event. Like we helped raise $100,000. Now they're going to get another $150,000 back to go feed homeless people, help them get healthcare, help them maybe get a job and, you know, get off the streets. If yeah. I love so, that 90% is showing up, showing up with a positive attitude. It's like everything. Yeah. The, the rest will take care of it. You just show up and you have a, a positive attitude to get shit done. Yeah. You'll, be fine. You'll be great. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm really excited about what ERC can do for nonprofit organizations. Um, I think once people realize that nonprofits are automatically eligible, my uh, level of influence will shrink because people will be saturating that portion of the market. Uh, but I know that with my face-to-face -face contact with all these businesses, like that's really where that's going to work for me. So that's kind of been my approach, but I'm also looking at building out a team of cold callers right now. Uh, since I'm in the construction business and since I was in the trucking business, I have a list of 1.4 million people that I need to call. And I'm not going to call them all. I can't. Yeah. I, I'll never be able to get to the first, you know, 100,000 of them if I try by yeah. myself. So I got to build a team. And I know some other friends of ours who've been building teams of cold callers and have been successful. And so that's what I'm looking at right now. Dude, I love that. So yeah. any nonprofits that are watching this, reach out to Steven and let yeah. him, let him, or if you're a part or you like a particular nonprofit, reach out to him, get him connected, let's, uh, let's get that money flowing in. So that yeah. they can oh, and the other thing about the nonprofits that's very important to me is every single one of them I help, I donate to their nonprofit as well. So I'm helping them get a boatload of money back, but that's I'm awesome. also donating. And then I have a spreadsheet, right? This is on Mark's recommendation. I got a spreadsheet of what I'm donating every year. Because on January 4th this year, I put out to the public, posted everywhere, all of my goals for 2023. The top goal for me is to give 100 times more than I did last year. That's awesome, dude. More. And so wow. I got to keep track of it so I can measure it. So right. I've got a spreadsheet and every nonprofit I help or every nonprofit I believe in, I'm giving them something. Anybody who's interested in doing something like that, connect with Steve and I put his Facebook in here. Steven, you can put your Instagram in there and they can reach out to you, become an affiliate with you. You could show them how to do that as well. Just like you explained to us. Yeah, absolutely. There's massive opportunity. Make money uh, and help people. Yeah, make money and help people. And like I said, cool. this is this is not just short term. There's other programs that are going to roll out later on this year that are going to be even bigger. So getting in right now to help out is really wise because you'll be able to learn kind of the ropes before the really big stuff comes online. So you can build a book of business to then go back and help them out later on. And you'll double dip, but you're also going to help them big time. Yeah. That's huge, man. I enjoyed this interview. This is, this yeah, this was great. That was good info. I love your story too. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, seriously though, I, I want to thank you guys uh, more than anything. Cause like, first of all, when I woke up this morning, I didn't know we were going to have this conversation. And, and then second of all, like actually talking through my history, like that's what I want to thank you guys for. Cause obviously you continuously ask me questions to facilitate me continuing the conversation. And it's really emotional for me because like every day that I'm working in or on the business, I'm just, I got my head down and I'm focused and I'm working my plan, but I don't realize like what I've actually done because a lot of times we feel as if we haven't really done much well that that's the truth people who are doing the most feel like they're never doing enough and people ain't doing shit they think they're doing a ton i, I think that's i think that's a great <laughs> way to end it 
is, is everybody that's watching this really should reflect on, on what their journey's been in the last decade, yeah. uh, because you've, you've gone a lot far, farther than what you realize. Be and, proud of yourself. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Man. I mean, I Keep just down. turned, I literally just turned 40 last year and that milestone was like, Oh, I gotta do something. I gotta really do something. Cause I've been action faking for years. I haven't been taking real action. And so literally like the day after my birthday, I was like, shit's going to change. You know what, what's great about milestones and you're doing great for when I was coming up on 40, like I was like 39. I remember thinking I am not anywhere near where I want to be when I'm 40, not, not just financial, just everything, just in life. And sometimes that milestone is, it was to me, I, I said to myself, when I hit 50, that's a long time away. I cannot have this feeling. And then I hit 50 last October. I did not have that feeling at all. That's awesome, man. That's great. Yeah, it feels good. So I yeah. like where I'm at, but like at 60, I want to be in a whole, no, a whole nother world. Yeah. Let's do it. I feel you hundred percent, man. So what I do before we knock it off, this is a little tip for everybody who's watching or is going to watch. What I do is write a story about my future life. So I'll say my older daughter is 15 years old. My younger daughter is 12 years old. My wife is this. I am this. We now have this rental home. We now have this lake house. We now are able to give $100,000 a year to charities. We now do this, this, and this, and this. So I write my story because when you put something on a piece of paper, 95% of the time it comes true. It's the wow. weirdest thing. I don't know why, but if you put it to paper, not type it, don't type it in your computer literally use your pen physically and write it down on a piece of paper. I mean, you can believe in whatever woo woo shit you want to believe in, no, but that is manifestation at its core. You write it down on a piece of paper, you will make it happen. That, that's good stuff, man. Steven, yeah, I appreciate so you. Thank you for listening to the mind your own business podcast. Be sure to like, and subscribe and tell all of your friends.